this is who you know, as you well know. And uh, I'm Dmitry Samarov. Today I bring you a conversation uh, with the musician Sam Waxter. We talk about his growing up uh, in Texas, studying film, about skateboarding, and getting into bands. There's just no way you're not going to enjoy this conversation. I think it's an M Street. You're on an N Street. I think he's on an M Street. Okay. He's in M Town and you're in N Town. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it's one of the things you learn, like from cab driving and stuff. You realize it's just, it's just alphabet streets. Yeah, after, yeah. You know, like <laughs> K Town. <laughs> Does it just go to H? Um, it stops. I, I forget where it's. I used to know all this shit pretty well, yeah. you know. Yeah, it pretty much starts. Where does it start? Um, this is like west of Pulaski. I think it, it okay. starts. I think it's around somewhere around Pulaski. It starts with the letters. I see. You know, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Just like, yeah, those, like, the, all those presidents, you know, <laughs> that are right, right right in the middle of the grid, like, like you know, Madison, Washington, you know. Yeah. Van Buren, Jackson. <laughs> did you use, like, did they have maps go when you were a, when you were a cabbie, or was it, you just knew the grid at that St- point? Street Guide. Yeah, Street yeah. Guide, that was, yeah. I guess the Dallas equivalent was maps Oh, it's called maps go, yeah. yeah. It's where it's yeah. Like a little book. Yeah. Yeah, we had a book. Uh, there was one in Boston too when when I was driving. And, yeah, street guide and just a road atlas, like like detailed, like yeah. yeah. But I mean, it is really easy here because of the grid, you right. know, much easier than than in Boston. Boston was kind of a nightmare that way. Yeah, not Boston built for, is not the, built for cars. It's the most yeah, curly Q kind of city I've been to. Yeah, they say. The joke is that they paved the streets after the cows wandering away from Boston Common. <laughs> you know, they're all one way and not the direction you need them to be. So where where did you grow up? In Dallas. In Dallas, yeah. In, yeah. A, in like the, just north of Dallas is a suburb called Richardson. Mm. Um, there's like your whole is, whole childhood there? Or? Yeah, 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 and I went to school at SMU in Dallas, so I was there until I was, and then a few years after graduation, so yeah. I was there until I was 25. Wow. And, uh, yeah, Richardson is next to Garland, which is the the template for Arlen, Texas, in King of the Hill. Ah. Uh. <laughs> that's like that's <laughs> a similar landscape, yeah. See, so you grew up with a lot of Boomhauers, or? Yeah. <laughs> It's the other one, uh, who's the one, the balding one? Oh, Dale? Is it? is it Dale? The kind of like the midlife crisis guy, the kind of fat. Yeah, what, yeah. What's it? Is that Dale or is that? Yeah, it's been a long time since I've Yeah. Been. I think Dale was the, like, kind of the gun nut guy. There's yeah, that, yeah, like the right. sad sack kind right, of like, right. kind of dumpy one. Yeah. He is the best. He's always going through some kind of cri- personal crisis. He's sensitive, obviously very sensitive, right. you know. And like, he'd like 
I think his wife had left him or something and it had destroyed his whole life and he like lost his job. Right. So, so was it accurate? Was King of the Hill accurate? There were some. There were definitely some accurate uh, <laughs> aspects of it. Um, but yeah, it was you know, kind of a first generation suburb, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was an early suburb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was it was really nice. There were like nice parks and you know a nice creek that we could go play at. You know, it's kind of wild. was it a house like this? That you grew up in? Um, like, what was the style of the house? It was a ranch. Ranch house. Yeah. yeah. It was like it was one, one story. story yeah. Kind of classic Texas style. Probably built in like the 50s or 60s. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like one of those planned kind of layout, like, uh, well, like where they, like you see all the houses. Obviously. Well, actually, there was a lot of variety um, still in Richardson. And yeah. then, like, kind of the next layer of suburbs, stuff started to get more codified into like the same four houses repeating yeah, over and over yeah. you know you could choose your style of right, or right. your color yeah yeah stucco um, stone face whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever and it was a little less like our neighborhood was a little less grid grid like it uh -huh. actually kind of followed the contours of you know like the creek that was there kind of yeah you know so it it, it had a little more uh character to it which was nice um what what line of work were your folks in? My dad was he worked for State Farm for oh, insurance decades, and um, then they wanted him to move to Tulsa, so he quit. Oh, and he started selling. Uh, he started working with his friend who had this business, um, which I don't know how they would survive today or if they are still around because he was a, a middleman essentially for like putting logos on random things like probably the biggest account he did was like those little check presenters you know with amex on it oh okay yeah like he would find the client and find the people who make that and have them make a you know a million of them or whatever you know right so very like pre-internet kind of job um and he retired kind of right as the internet was really taking hold so it was kind of good timing but yeah, but they would make all kinds of stuff. T-shirts. They would make, you know, they would find people to print the manuals for 7-Eleven. And <laughs> right, know, yeah. Just like kind of old school uh, middleman sales, you know. But so, on like a corporate scale. And my mom was a teacher. She taught reading and English. In school or? Yeah. And like, like she taught mostly uh, middle school. And then a little bit of junior high. Where I grew up, they split grades 9 and 10 into junior high. And oh, senior yeah. high is 11, 12. Right. Yeah, we only had, where I grew up, it was elementary school and then high school. Wow. High school was 9 through 12. Wow. You know. My, yeah, my elementary school was K through 8. It was a big. Wow, that's huge. Big, yeah, yeah, it was a big school, yeah. So what was, so was music always the dream? When did the, the music start early? Not really. That I mean, was later thing? I mean, I was always really into it. Um, I was, you know, I was equally into movies and, and I guess comedy for lack of a better yeah. word, you know, growing up. Um, 
I was, you know, so you're going to be the next Bill Hicks or something. Or? <laughs> I didn't really have aspirations to do anything, you know, I, but I, that was what, the kind of stuff I was doing with my friends was like making goofy videos that were like our take on like a Zucker brothers movie, you know, like really? you were <laughs> yeah. making like airplane, or? that kind of stuff, <laughs> like, you know, like, goofy, like really yeah. pun based, uh, genre parodies, you know, Old um, white ladies talking in Ebonics. <laughs> just like, kind of like, you know, we had this character who was like, you know, a very uh, Zucker Brothers-like version of like an Indiana Jones adventurer type, you know. Mm. And, um, <laughs> you know, we'd make these, like, obviously lo-fi movies on the camcorder, you know. But, you know, Music was kind of developing at the same time as that for me. I mean, I when I was young, it was just all about pop music. I didn't. My parents didn't really listen to they rock and roll. Music. They weren't. They listened. I mean, my mom was a classically trained pianist, and wow. she played organ in her church and had a proper musical background. Yeah. Um, and my dad listened to country music and their common ground was like easy listening and show tunes so oh. like like easy listening like like who? neil diamond barbara streisand like carpenters know. or no like uh carpenters i don't think so things. yeah um but <laughs> they bouncy. were yeah they were you know they were very elvis generation mm. not not really into rock and roll you know yeah beyond that right um they went straight to kind of easy listening Right. Like disco and but a lot of show tunes. And you know, we would listen to stuff all the time in the car, but it was like that kind of stuff or you know, my dad would play George Jones and my mom would make fun of it. Oh, she didn't like the country. She didn't like country. She, didn't, no. she was not a No. <laughs> you know, and she grew up in the country. I mean she grew up in a tiny town. Were they from around the, were they from Texas? No, they're both from Tennessee originally. Oh, okay. So um my dad was from Columbia, which is like 45 minutes south of Nashville. Oh, okay. And my mom is from a tiny town of, it's still only like 2,500 people on the Kentucky-Tennessee border mm. um, called Jellico. That was like a coal mining town mm. and kind of peaked around that time. And mm. then even as I started going there as a kid, it was already kind of starting to decline yeah. because the interstate came through there and all the businesses got sucked to... Yeah, out by the interstate, and the town kind of got emptied out. Um, but that was like my favorite place to go as a kid because their house was like on a mountain, and then you walk down like the hill, you know, and you're in this like two street little intersection that's the downtown, you know. Mm. And it was just like kind of a, from a different world, you know, just like so pool like, hall and a Rexall and a you know hardware store <laughs> land of hollers and stuff yeah like yeah you're in kind of that yeah part of america <laughs> yeah there's actually a writer who wrote about the that particular town really called john fox hmm. um and there's a book called a mountain europa that takes place in jellico hmm. a little earlier than my mom was there like yeah. the the book takes place in like the tens i think mm. um but it's really good it's like a really kind of like taut thriller almost hmm. um but it does accurately describe i mean it's clear that he lived there for a time and yeah uh, you know it's interesting 
to think about it kind of before it really settled as a town when it was like just a coal mining operation you know right um, but um so did they move to texas because of work yeah. because of state farm state or? farm oh, okay yeah. and my mom was teaching so she was pretty flexible with that okay. you know and my dad was like that's just where he got his job was in yeah and they lived you know they were living kind of all over for like two or three years at a time so they lived in like uh cincinnati and louisville um where my mom got her masters and then she mm. started teaching they moved to charlottesville where i was born mm. and then then moved to texas when i was like six weeks old so i, I don't really have any yeah memory of charlottesville do you have siblings or yeah i have an older sister oh. um, she's two years older and she lives near my dad in columbia where he moved back to his hometown to retire and she lives uh -huh. about 20 minutes from there it's like a suburb of nashville called oh, thompson okay. station oh okay um and uh yeah she has three three daughters mm. so i have wow. three nieces on that side and then one on gillian's side so what uh so did uh did your mom or your dad ever like make you take music lessons or encourage I, you to they or? didn't really encourage it i mean my sister took piano yeah uh classical piano but i had to kind of ask i took you did a little bit of piano but i really didn't have the attention span for it and it was yeah. too different from what i wanted to do musically which was like basically goof off and make yeah. like satirical even you want to make soundtracks for your for your like air, <laughs> airplane parrot i mean not even that sophisticated <laughs> at that time you know i was just into like the dead milkman and, oh you know, okay just like 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 smart ass kind of music. yeah yeah like parodies of stuff and uh, actually when i first started playing guitar i was still like on the tail end of my like mtv phase which was like mm. i was like the prime age for that whole yeah how, era. how old are you I'm i don't 46 46 okay yeah yeah so i started watching mtv when i was like it, seven or eight yeah right <laughs> it really got you like see i was just a little yeah. bit too like i already had like a sort of a point of view like yeah, i yeah. remember it coming in and it being strange yeah, that yeah it was like imposing right certain like kinds of musics you know yeah. already yeah and, I just, and my parents never let we hardly ever had cable so yeah. i had to go to other people's houses to so watch did i it. at first yeah. and i i was yeah. like i would go up there because i was like kind of obsessed with it you know it was like really exciting yeah. to me when video i video like killed the radio star seven or eight <laughs> years old you know yeah i remember like even like you know once in a lifetime that talking heads video was oh one yeah of the first things i saw and i was like just blown away by it but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah i was like <laughs> totally the right age to be subsumed into that you know yeah the whole cultural phenomenon and then quickly i kind of you know got into punk and started moving away from that yeah in in about seventh eighth or eighth grade i started like you know i had a friend who went to a church with this guy who was like an older punker and he yeah. would just kind of you know pass the misfits tapes along to oh, okay. us and minor threat and um, not any like extra love for the like local for you know i don't know butthole surfers or like like that kind of i scene, didn't get in, you didn't into that until later really. Oh, really yeah it was like that's a different part of texas i guess but, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like for whatever reason that wasn't the stuff that kind of 
came down the the pipeline to me. Mm -hmm. Although I saw, you know, as I started going to shows, you know, everything from Texas, like, yeah, it was either like, you know, indebted to the Butthole Surfers or Scratch Acid or Big Boys. Big Boys, right. Um, and then, you know, there was like sort of this other style of like Texas space rock that, that kind of came in later yeah. on. But yeah, it was like such a massive influence on that whole scene. Well, yeah, you could trace, you know, like before, yeah, but you could see where like Butthole Surfers come out of 13th floor elevators yeah, yeah. very, very obviously. Right. You know, like that's like there's totally. a, it's a direct yeah descendant like that weird psych fucked up psych rock you know right and yeah i did i wasn't really into that stuff until yeah. later i was like it was just very much you know it was all based on whatever tapes were around and what you could mm -hmm. afford to get you know well, well daniel johnston was there yeah in, like in that same time yeah um but yeah i would learn about bands through skate videos and so mm. i was also were you into skating? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't very good, but I, I really liked it a lot. And uh, I still skate, actually. Oh, you do? Yeah. Have from you just, just from point A to point B. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just gave uh, Skylar this book, uh, that Kyle Beachy book. Oh, yeah. That memoir. I've, yeah, I've Have wanted to read that. No. You, you, you would dig it. I didn't yeah. know you were into skating, but yeah, like I mean, he makes like a whole fucking philosophy, like world world yeah, religion out of it i'm sure i would love have that. you ever met that guy no he's really really intense about he's really into it he's like his lifelong dream came true he was like profiled in thrasher <laughs> like, understandable he's, yeah. yeah he's a very very serious skater yeah even, like, that's awesome yeah he's probably like i think he, you guys are about the same age yeah, yeah uh, he's a he teaches yeah writing at roosevelt nice uh, yeah i mean i was <laughs> i was the right age for that too and, yeah. and uh there were some really good skaters in my little community of skaters, but yeah. I was not one of them. But I, I, I <laughs> always enjoyed it. But music, okay, kind of took so, over. So suicidal tendencies then? Absolutely. <laughs> that that when, if I hear skating, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the first song I ever wrote with my friend was a just overt suicidal tendencies ripoff called "I Shot the Reaper," but it had like a similar like. Like narration over like, an intro oh, and then like, just like, like the yeah. you know kicked then into kicks, the thrash yeah. you know but it was like <laughs> exact, exactly the same template it was just like I just wanted a Pepsi yeah no yeah. you're on drugs and we would play that song too <laughs> yeah you know it was of course. like but yeah those were, those were the kinds of things that I was you know, wanting to do musically <laughs> yeah um, and then and then I got into like Fugazi and that was like a huge huge shift for me in terms of getting into more serious bands you know oh, okay. and seeing more of like the broad kind of political social context mm. of of underground music um so that that really kind of changed things and i started to move more towards like that kind of music you know i was like really into, into discord bands and touch and go and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff Yeah, I did. I did one of these with with Brian Case uh, last week, the week before. Uh -huh. Yeah, he talked a lot about the Discord bands are super, super big for him. Yeah, I mean, he grew up in St. Louis, but yeah, yeah, it was, was like a big, big thing. It was, yeah, it's hard to like, hard to describe the impact of that. Um, 
because I, I saw the first Fugazi show, which is they actually show a little bit of in the the documentary Instrument. Oh, really? Where they the show the opening band played was an abandoned warehouse, mm-hmm. and the cops came and shut it down right before Fugazi played. Mm. But Fugazi negotiated a deal where they opened the loading dock door and everybody stood outside and they were still allowed to stay inside and play and they played this like full energy show <laughs> and yeah i guess i was there when i was about 11 or 12 which is kind of mind-blowing where was my it? parents would allow that uh, it was in fair park in in dallas which huh. is like uh, there's like fair park exposition park hmm. near like the cotton bowl it's you know it's kind of like the hippie punk district or it was at the time you know yeah that that must have left an impression yeah and then i saw him when they came back the next year Mm. um and it was you know that was probably when uh steady diet of nothing came out Mm. and uh it was yeah total life-changing show for me yeah i didn't i didn't really pay attention to them i i saw him very late in their, like, I saw yeah. them at the Congress Theater here. Sure. There was sure. a show with them and Blonde Redhead and yeah. maybe Shellac. It was pretty late. It's pretty late in the run for that band. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I started started drifting towards that musically, and there weren't many people around who wanted to do that kind of music. So, um, you know, I I kind of, like, tried to get my best friends to learn to play and one of them oh to start a band yeah because <laughs> i played with a few other people yeah and i played in like a pop punk band mm. that actually like played out of town and played some mm. played you some, play like, guitar or yeah, i played you... guitar i was like the rhythm guitar player oh, okay and uh this older kid kip was like kind of the musical mastermind he was a lot better than i was so mm. i learned a lot from him and uh it was funny because when we went to Houston to play at Emo's there, which was mm. like a... I've um, heard of that. Yeah. I've never been to Houston. Okay. Um, yeah, it was like I had my learner's permit and I could drive my own car with our So we were what, like 16? I was 15. 15, yeah. yeah. But he was 18, so he could... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we could take turns driving oh, the okay. car. Um, but yeah, that was like my first... What, was, what was the name of that band? It was called Giraffe and a Half. Giraffe and yeah, the Shel Silverstein <laughs> book. Nice. Yeah, it was very. Uh, <laughs> what did they sound? What did you sound like? Very, uh, you know, kind of like that band Sam I Am. Do you know that band? I know the name. I I never listened to them. What were it they? It was like? like a mixture of like kind of serious, melancholy pop punk. So like lemon, like, totally, like Lemonheads. Or no, much not, faster, not faster and, than and more like no effects. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, kind of like the earlier versions of that, or Screeching Weasel. Okay. That was, yeah, that was like a huge influence. For All us. right. And uh, yeah, that my friend Jason Lowry was the kind of the front man and uh-huh. instigator for all of that. Yeah. And uh, he kind of brought like that band was already kind of together, and they brought me on as a second guitarist. Um, and that was kind of those were the first shows I played, and we. Uh, it was cool. We got to open for uh, Tsunami. Do you remember that band? Yeah, that? yeah. So we got to play from for some touring bands, even though we were kids. And, <laughs> uh, 
yeah, it was it was a good experience. But then I wanted to do something, you know, more in line with what I was listening to. So I kind of started from scratch, mm. and uh, and started playing. You want to play have a more, more serious? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you more, like you have a, you had aspirations. I did intellectual and like did, yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, I was into <laughs> like Jawbox and Fugazi and. Mm. Like lyrics were a big deal, still, you know, still yeah. are. And I was really into that kind of like abstraction, I guess. Mm. And, uh, but also with some socio political themes. So, how long was it till you got anybody together to, to realize? I mean, those, my, like... my friends, uh, they were brothers, Ben and Sam Wallace, were into that kind of stuff, but they didn't play. So, they kind of started from scratch on bass and drums, but mm. they were both yeah. really good, you know, and like got got good quickly. So we just started writing stuff, and uh, that kind of became my high school band. And the drummer from that band uh, and I played all the way through college and a little bit after in and kind of the main band that I was in. During what was that called? It was called Wiring Prank. Wiring Prank? Yeah. Wow. And, uh, that band sort of started out kind of in the like Texas noise rock uh -huh. tradition also with like a lot of drive like Jehu kind of influence kind of like loud and mm. dissonant mm. and then you know they, that band just went through a bunch of different phases based on what we were exposed to you know we were, we were very impressionable yeah and, uh, but uh, did you write most of that Music or I wrote, yeah. I, I mean, we kind of wrote as a band, yeah. Um, until later on, it was me and uh, the, the other guitarist named Brian Vandeveer, and that was a very like we the two of us would kind of sit down and start co writing songs, and then mm -hmm. we became instrumental. And like, oh, it was a very kind of like 90s post rock sounding thing, um, like, like slint. Slinty kind yeah, of yeah, like, it was influenced that by that and yeah. like all the bands that kind of you know were influenced by that. Rex was a big band. Bedhead was the Bedhead, biggest yeah. local band that was like a huge influence. Um, was Bedhead from Texas? Yeah. Oh, okay. They were from uh, they were from uh, Wichita Falls, and oh, okay. the Cadane brothers went to SMU as well, but they were at least ten years older than I was. But yeah. But I saw them actually open for Fugazi. That's how I was exposed to oh, them. Okay. And yeah, I like that out, band. Bedhead. Yeah, they were they were incredible, and I got to see them, you know, many times, and it was always really special. And it's still a band I'm really into and influenced by. Yeah, and then you did that uh, that band that Chris Brokaw played with, uh, the New Year. Yeah, the New Year, which is a yeah. lot like Bedhead. Yeah, you know, it's but, like slightly yeah louder. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But still, it speeds very up much, speeds up every now and yeah, then. Yeah. But like, but still very much like the Cadane brothers. Yeah, dynamic. Um, and uh, yeah, they their first seven inch came out on a local label called Direct Hit Records, mm. which was like also the record store we'd go to mm. you know, every Saturday and dig around and ask like the lady Kelly Key who owned it what came in and you know she was like really nice to, to everyone so that was like kind of a weekly trip how know. far was it from it was downtown so it was like a half hour drive okay um so this would be when you were in college yeah, already no this would no, be like when school. we were in high school still high yeah. school okay 
um, and through college. Yeah. They, I think they closed in the late 90s. Um, but did yeah, you stay, did you live at home when you were in college? Or did no, I lived in an apartment, you, and oh, then okay, I lived in a house oh, okay. with some friends. Um, and what were you studying? English and film. I started out mm. studying just film, and uh, huh. the program wasn't that great, yeah. and especially in terms of production. I had some really good theory and history classes, but yeah. uh, I don't know. I was and I was getting more into to literature, so mm. I just added a major, and it was you know it was doable. It was a lot of a lot of hours, but. It seems like a good move at the time, and I, I, when I graduated, I I was like pretty serious about going into academia and yeah. you know getting into like literary criticism and post-structuralism and all that kind wow. of stuff. Was there like a was there a professor there that was like pushing? Yeah, that yeah, I had, that well, I had a, yeah, I had my senior year um, this uh, professor Ryan Bishop. Mm. I did like a directed study with him, mm. and. Uh, he was great, and we became friends, and I, even after school, but <clears throat> I uh, I just didn't want to go back into school. I wanted to do music and see where it led. I didn't, you know, I, he had gone to Rice and was sort of pushing me towards that direction because he still had, you know, friends who taught there. Yeah. And, you know, I was even, like, in contact with them, but I I decided I wanted to move out of state and mm. uh and play music so so where did you move to chicago that's where you moved to chicago <laughs> yeah, oh, okay yeah, 2001 uh about two weeks before 9-11 oh wow yeah. how'd you choose chicago i had only been here once but um i you know i love the music coming out of here i especially was like which craving. which flavor which flavor of chicago i mean i mean there's so much you know <laughs> mostly of the like post-rock uh, but also jazz, mm -hmm. which was almost totally unavailable in Dallas mm. in terms of like a young jazz scene. You know, you could see, you could go see people playing standards, but there yeah. was no improv yeah. or jazz community for young players. I guess um, they all moved away, like the people that were from there. Yeah. There's, there's some big jazz people. Yeah, I mean, Ornette Coleman. I was just going to say, Worth, yeah. I was going to say, Ornette Coleman. Uh, Red Garland. He probably but, didn't. So yeah. much time there. Like, but yeah, and especially like younger people, it was like, which is strange because, you know, most of the shows I played were in Denton, mm. which is home to like one of the best jazz schools in the country. But none of those guys really gig outside of school. Okay. <laughs> like, they just do these like lab bands. And then there's there's weird bands from Denton. There's Yeah. There was, what was that band that I used to like seeing? The Wax Museums? Uh, I never saw that them. band. That may have been after my time. It was later. No, I no. mean I saw him here. Like okay. I, I would see him at places like uh, what was that? Cal's. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. Places like like weird like. Yeah. They're like another like kind of snotty sort of like. They they were probably an art school band. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Like there's a lot of like there's a lot of that. That was like kind of a big part of the Denton scene. It was either that or like very spacey yeah. rock. Um, but, but yeah, like that's where I, misfit children of yeah, the butthole yeah. surfers. They yeah, were yeah. like, you know, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but that's where I played most of the shows in, okay. in college, especially like it. It became more rare to play Dallas, but just did, there was so more going did on. you know anybody here in Chicago, or did you? Was My it, friend uh, Brian Toy Scott had moved up here, um, oh. and he was in at the Art Institute 
uh, getting his uh, MFA. And uh, my friend Brian Vanderveer, who cool. I had been writing with, he got a job up here. Mm. So there was like a very easy landing for me. I'd okay. lived in, in Brian Vanderveer's basement when I first moved up here mm. for a couple months. And, uh, you know, it was like, I had been thinking about it for a long time and they had done it and made, just made it easier. Yeah. And Brian and I had worked on a lot of theater together um, okay. with me doing the music. Yeah. And uh, I knew we'd probably get into more of that. Um, and that that's kind of what I did for the first few years. I didn't yeah. really play in bands because Brian Vanderveer moved back home. Mm. Um, so you just did girlfriend. music for theater? For, yeah, the... yeah, and like kind of learned to record at home for mm. the first time. And it was just kind of like a learning period. Um, writing, like learning to write on my own. I had never written mm. without other band members. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was like, multi-tracking and that kind of stuff and and then getting players to do the music for these plays mm. um and that led to you know like meeting azita that, um, that was around the same yeah time. like yeah like in 2005 she and brian had met and they were talked about doing a show together uh detail from the mountainside mm. and uh i wrote all the like interstitial music she mm. wrote the songs that the actors sang yeah know? it's like a kind of like a Right, because you didn't. Uh, yeah, you didn't play with her on the Life on the Fly tour, right? No, that, no, that was uh, Emmett. Emmett, uh, right? Because Emmett didn't play on the record, but he played on, on the right. He, he did the to tour. Do the tour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, because it was it was uh, Jeff Parker was yeah. the guitar player on that record, right? Uh, but Lux was playing. He was playing on the tour and on the record. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I met her kind of just right after that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when Emmett was playing with her, and uh, and then the following year we did that play year, mm -hmm. um, which was Emmett and Azita doing the live music. Yeah, and me, I just acted in that one. Mm. Oh, okay. Which is something I've done a little bit of. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't know why capacities. I didn't go, why I didn't see that. I don't know what. I it was at the it was at the Rhinoceros Festival, you know, the Curious Theater. Yeah. Do you know Bo O'Reilly? I don't know him personally, brother? but like, yeah, I've since uh, yeah, like I've been reviewing plays for the last few years, and so yeah. I've, I've I've gone to that festival as a as a theater critic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we were doing kind of like those kinds of yeah shows. Storefront and, theater. Yeah. yeah, storefront theater. And before yeah. that, we had done. Do you remember Pack Edge that festival? That was like mm -mm. kind of an experimental theater festival, and we did a couple of shows for that in like where was that held? Two thousand four, two thousand five, at the Athenaeum. Oh, okay. And yeah, uh, I go there all the time. Yeah, it's a great place. space. It's got many theater. Like it's a huge. Yeah. It's a complex. I don't know what. It, yeah, it must have been a school or something. Or uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell it was. I, it must have been. Yeah, but it's a great space. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we had done a couple of shows there, and then that kind of went into these musicals. Um, so yeah, it was like kind of a nice, easy, long transition for me getting here. And yeah. then I got to, <laughs> I was dispatched by the reader to draw, uh, what's his name, Jeff Mangum, because he didn't allow photography at his show when he, <laughs> when, he when he came back wow. for his read. Like he, you know, he was off on the mountain or whatever. Yeah. The hell communing with jesus or whatever he was doing he wow. came back and that was bizarre it was me and that 
Who's that guy that wrote for the reader forever? He's in bands too. Um, you'd know, I, man, I can't remember his name. He were, like wrote. He was like the main Miles. Guy. Miles, yes. yeah, okay, yeah. It was me and Miles, and we were just both baffled by the, that's like the reverential scene around that guy. That's it, unbelievable. To it was him. And, it was to him. Make and, that demand and to, <laughs> to have but it was like church. It was like church in yeah. there. It was Elf Power and Jeff Bang. I don't yeah. know if it was called Neutral Milk Hotel, but it was it was him. Yeah, so I did these drawings of you know like the ones I I do all the time. You yeah, know, yeah. And they were published in the Reader. <laughs> Because he, yeah, he demanded like his soul not be captured or whatever, wow. whatever the reason is. But, wow. uh, yeah, I don't know. A little bit of that guy but goes, makes a, goes goes a real, <laughs> goes a real long long way for me. But yeah. like, you've heard one neutral milk hotel, you've heard them all. But, <laughs> but yeah, people love that. Love that. Yeah, I know that, that record. It's like it was like a religion, true cult band. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so then, so then you started playing. Were you playing with Azita like on her own stuff pretty soon? Uh, or like, a little later, yeah, probably because Emmett was still playing with her, and then when he got busy with Will, yeah, um, I started playing with her and with Jim Becker. I was like, right, kind of like his understudy on a lot of stuff. Like I would learn <laughs> his parts, you know, and I yeah learned a ton from him and from you know, yeah, like. A couple of recordings, like where I would learn his lines and stuff. And, and who's uh, Becker's or or Emmett's? Emmett's, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. um, I was in this band. Uh, it's called Movie Group originally, and then it was called Dragon and Jones, um, with uh, John Close from the Boas. Do you remember that band? I remember. I remember the Boas. Which one was was he like the lead guy? Yeah, okay. he was the front man. He was the one guy in that band I didn't. Him and his pal were the ones I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, because Jay. I yeah because they were brought in, I knew the local because they moved. I knew I knew Jonathan and I knew uh, what's his face so, Graham. Graham yeah yeah so it was after the Boas yeah. dissolved yeah um, and Emmett had played with John a little bit but then he got really busy yeah and John and I got to playing and really hit it off and we started writing together mm. and did this whole album that. Uh, it's still unreleased. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's really good too. But uh, <laughs> it's like he—he's kind of moved on from it. Yeah. Um, oh, he doesn't want to put it out. Yeah. He's yeah. One of those. Yeah. Yeah. Which is something I've been through many times. Yeah. With, with yeah. people that I've played with. With the, with this, but the, we, a, the weird genius types. Yeah. Some, who have their some own. people don't want to put stuff out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was a really, really good band and. Uh, you know, that was like around 2006, 2007. Okay. Um, and then I met Graham and he kind of brought me on for that wave of fruit bats because Eric Johnson had asked him to kind of like assemble some people. And, right. Um, that, you know, clicked really naturally and wound up doing like two records with them and, you know, like two and a half, three years worth of like pretty steady touring. Mm. So that was like the most like, that was when I was like gone for half of the year, you know. And um, Graham was still living here, right? Or yeah, he had yeah, that was before. Yeah. yeah, the band moved to uh, to Portland, and that's right, kind of when he, I bowed out. Yeah, yeah, because because uh, 
the keyboard player Ron was out there and, and mm. Eric was out there and, and he just wanted to, you know, a band where he lived, which is right. you know, understandable. <laughs> yep. Um so yeah, that's kinda when I um bowed out of that and started playing with Emmett Moore. He was yeah. back in town, so we started Right, because you were instead we were doing Cairo Gang in a couple of different incarnations. Um, there was like a four-piece with Ben Babbitt and Weinstein, and then the five-piece with uh, Mark Reardon and Gillian and Ryan and I. Yeah, there's so many Cairo Gangs. Yeah, I mean, I remember I have a sketch of it's just him and Josh Abrams. I think I yeah. think that was Cairo Gang for a minute. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I played in a version with Josh too. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Raps is Josh. Ryan Raps is And uh, yeah, just a four piece. Um, but now he's he's killed it. He he killed. He lined up the Cairo gang against the wall and shot them all. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> well, who knows? Who knows? It can it know. can be Cairo gang whenever he feels like yeah, it. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's coming back. He's playing with Ty Siegel in a, in a month. Yeah, yeah Bill's opening that show. Uh, nice. I don't, I don't know with who, but I don't know what which one of Bill's projects. But he just told me that because I just drove Bill. But yeah, the day yeah. after your the Mute Duo, I drove him to Traverse City. Oh right, right. It was a crazy day. Was that when, the, when that was there and back? The uh, what's the the name of the school there? It's not. No, it was like a. It was. It was really goofy. It was a. Uh, it was like one of those like food truck like route. Like it was just an outdoor. Oh, okay. Dumb. I'm, I'm mixing it up like, with in some other event. I don't know what else is there, but I, I guess he got paid well enough to do this. But it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was a silly thing. Uh, <laughs> it's fun to hang out with Bill, but yeah, yeah. music wise, and, and like it was just like a street fair kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, sound was terrible. People were just mostly eating and drinking. Yeah. And it was really hot, you know? <laughs> Been there. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so when did, uh, let's see, so then you played, so you were playing with Cairo Gang and with Azita, or Azita was later? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, there was some, there was definitely some overlap. Close, yeah. I started playing with Azita more in, like, 2009, because, um... I went on tour with her when uh, How Will You came out. And yeah. uh, and we were playing some of the songs from Year mm-hmm. live. And uh, the tour was with uh, Charles Rombach and, and Doug McCombs. Yeah. And we did, like, you know, just some small touring. But we, you know, went out to East Coast. And <laughs> it was really fun. Um, and then, yeah, I've kind of been playing with her since then. Off and on. Yeah. Playing in a couple weeks. Or on the 11th. Yeah, I got, a, I got a ticket to that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Oh, so you're, you're playing that? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, Good. that'll be... Um, yeah, I don't know what I... Th- I've, I've listened to that thing that the the Dirty Three guys think. The mess Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I think of that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't quite put it. It might be a little too mellow for me. I don't know. Oh, yeah? Look, it, it's okay. like a little, I don't know. It's pretty mellow. Yeah. It's very mellow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it might be different live, you know. Like yeah, I'm curious to see know. how it translates. Because yeah. it's such a kind of studio-ish record, yeah. and it's very, like, you can 
tell Mick played a lot of it because it has like his really idiosyncratic rhythm and timing, you know, which is like kind of off kilter, but it always like finds its footing, you know. Yeah. Um, one of the formative shows I ever saw was uh, it was a triple bill of Dirty Three, Pavement, and Come. In, yeah, yeah. In, uh, in Providence. It was like I in the mid to late 90s, before yeah. I moved back to Chicago. I saw that tour, whatever yeah. the Dallas yeah. equivalent was, but with Pavement and Dirty Three. And that was like, those were two of my two favorite bands yeah. at that time. So yeah. it was a complete just... I think that was Wowie Zowie. Yeah. I think it was Wowie Zowie. Yeah. But yeah. they were not like... They were like a, a very indifferent live band, <laughs> like at uh, least what the night I saw, like the other ones. Yeah. Oh, uh, really? They, they. I saw them. Yeah, I saw them several times, and yeah, they would have. You know, they were a very <laughs> unpredictable band. Um, yeah, even just their like reunion shows. Depending on the those the moods. Yeah, of those. but I saw some amazing pavement shows for sure. I mean, it's crazy to realize. Like you didn't. I didn't realize until much late. Until it was just. Uh, the Jicks, like how good a guitar player that guy is. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. He's just like he's just like a full on like rock god level. No, like, he was like, like kind of like sandbagging himself. And yeah, he's totally, like, totally like he was like, like kind of pretending to make mistakes, pretending to to be like bad at <laughs> yeah, being yeah, like be ironic, like which is the stance of that whole right. band is like we don't care, like yeah, yeah. But that's it, what that's what they made it so amazing. It's like yeah, those records are so wildly off kilter in yeah. the most perfect way it's yeah. like it's kind of like it is like a magical chemistry that they have yeah i like the records not all of them but like i mean m mostly actually the one slanted and enchanted is the one that yeah. like means the most to me because sure. that's that's what i heard first but, yeah uh yeah like the the one time seeing them live was not a not a great <laughs> not impressive like the other two bands were just way better i mean dirty like, three is probably my favorite live band probably my favorite existing band yeah um yeah dirty three and come were both like they yeah. just brought they weren't like they weren't like there was no irony like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. no 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 fucking around yeah. there's no insult comedian thing which pavement always had you know like this yeah. kind of i remember my irony. friend <laughs> my friend came with me to that show and he wasn't familiar with dirty three yeah and Warren got up there and was kind of like, you know, starting to warm up. He's like, oh, okay, who's this guy? You yeah, know, yeah. like very like dismissive. Yeah. And then after the show, he just looked at me like he had had this like religious experience. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, yep. Yes. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. That was the only time I ever saw Dirty Three either. Uh, but yeah. Well, Kyra got know. to play a couple of shows with them. Oh, really? Like, totally incredible. Yeah. Um, and then we, Jim sat in with us for uh, a gig at the Pritzker. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Total, total dreamland for me. That's yeah. It's cool later, like when this weird stuff happens, like you know, like when Graham moves away and suddenly Steve Shelley is the drummer and disappears. <laughs> yeah. Like, how does that happen? Like, that's so crazy yeah. to think about. Like when stuff like that happens. Yep. Uh, so when did uh, when did the father costume start is that later that started <laughs> i mean the first songs i wrote were in 2010 i guess yeah um and it was like hadn't i had written probably two songs that mm -hmm. weren't father costume songs mm -hmm. that were just like learning experiences yeah. i.e failures <laughs> um, and then i had like a group of five songs that i felt pretty good about yeah 
and I was like, you know, very modest aspirations for this. I was like, I'm going to try to write some songs that sound like Velvet Underground because that mm. seems like a good way to learn mm. to do it, you know? <laughs> so it was very, like, overtly hmm. derivative, you know, but I was also trying stuff lyrically that was uh, influenced by other stuff, like, you know, David Berman or Pavement. Or I was trying to figure out, actually, that's what I listened to on the headphones on my ride over here just before uh, cool. when I got, when I got lost and didn't find your street I was listening to the father cost the the, the record the LP okay it's trying to figure out trying to place like what where is this what is this referencing you know, yeah like, I mean it's really like it's really it's trying to mix that kind of lyrical sensibility with more 80s sounding influences I yeah I was thinking like I don't know I hope you don't take this as a as an insult because I mean it as a compliment. But there's that Robert Plant record, uh, "Principle of Moments." I really don't know that, but I'm that's, that's cool. I'm well, it's got that <laughs> it's got that sound. It's that kind of like echoey. Is there something about the sound of, of yeah. like and the, it, like as if you're like on the road? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There, he he did that. It was like with Phil Collins was was, was a lot of like '80s production. Yeah, synthy, but like kind of very 80s production yeah. you might like it he was trying to do i mean that guy always did different stuff he still does yeah yeah uh i always respected I him yeah uh there is a couple of semi-hit songs like mtv era yeah. this is like early to mid 80s uh and he was trying like tall cool one is that on that record no uh in the mood is on that okay yeah, yeah and a big log yeah <laughs> um like but very like Something about the way you have the guitar, like the kind of sustain, kind of like echoing, kind of like like kind of mo like yeah, that like sound. the reverb and yeah, the reverb delay and stuff. Um, but yeah, all those other kind of like kind of like talk talk those kinds of yeah. bands like yeah, it's always been like not punk any but like new wave kind of English, you know. But yeah, it's always been kind of an attempt to meld those worlds a little bit instead of. I mean, all those songs could be like. Kind of straightforward countryish yeah. songs, yeah. You know? But it seemed more interesting. I was getting more into like electronic, like programming and synth and stuff. It just seemed like more fun to try to do it in a different kind of uh, idiom, you know. Where'd the name come from? It's uh, it's from a book called uh, it's from a book by Ben Marcus. Oh, um, okay. That's like a it's like a tiny uh, novella that's illustrated by this artist, Matthew Ritchie. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, Brian, Tori Scott turned me on to Ben Marcus, and I really liked that name. Um, it's a very strange book. <laughs> it's yeah, really yeah I've never, uh, yeah, never read him. Um, he's got some great... Uh, the Age of Wire and String is really good. Mm -hmm. uh, Notable American Women is really great. Um, I've heard he's of a true he's, he's like, like true experimentalist. Yeah. Like it takes it's really dense and it's really yeah. non-linear, but it's really funny, which kind of helps it go down. Um, and it's really observant stuff, but uh, it's definitely it's challenging reading for sure. You know? <laughs> like I, it's not what I gravitate to yeah. mostly. You know, like I really like like Rick Bass. Mm. Um, writers like that you know and yeah you told me you were working on something right or yeah is it still going it's still going you know it, it's i what, can't what? get into a rhythm of writing with yeah. with the amount of playing that i've been doing yeah because all that all that free time kind of goes into practicing and 
plane, but uh, yeah, it's like, it's like kind of a heavily, you know, it's, it's about where I grew up, but yeah. actually kind of a few years before. Um, so is it a novel or is it story? I guess you it, know? I don't know yet. You don't know it, yet? Yeah, yeah, I don't know how it fits together yet. I just kind of know the, the, a few different pieces, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a character who works at TI, who's an engineer there. Mm. And uh, there's also a character who's a kid and a skateboarder who gets, mm. like, you know, drawn into this, like, kind of underworld. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I don't really know how it fits together. But I'm, I'm you know, like, I don't know, like 35 pages into it. Mm. So... Cool. It's bigger than a short story at yeah. this point, but I, I hope I can get into a rhythm and finish it because I have really enjoyed doing it, you know, yeah. um, and the headspace of it. But it's really hard with music to make an extra <laughs> partition, you know, yeah. for that that time. Um, what do you have a regular writing habit, or is it like? It's it's whatever is going. It, it's all over the place. Well, yeah. because then yeah, a lot of the writing I do is just for money. You know, yeah. like these reviews and stuff. Sure. So then, that's deadline based and it's deadline based. Easier in some ways, I guess. Yeah. Oh, it's really easy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really yeah. It's done for money. <laughs> sure, sure. It's fun, it actually, like when I finished the last book I put out, the 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 bar stories, the old style. Yeah. I, I looked through like all my files and like I realized I've I have enough like journalism and reviews and shit I could put together a book. Yeah. But I read through a lot of that stuff and like I I don't want to read it again. Like it's so pegged to a it's it's got a particular purpose, you know. Sure. And I I don't think it I don't think it's worth killing trees for. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. To collect them. if somebody wants to do that, they can, but I don't think I want to, you know. Yeah. It's I don't. Yeah, the, yeah. There's some creativity involved a little bit, but it's a, it's a job, you yeah. know. Like with your own stuff, are you when you when you really are working on it in earnest? Is it in big chunks of time, or is it like a little bit each day, or is it like it's always fragmented? Yeah, and it's fragmented around like artwork and all uh, right. whatever other stupid stupid jobs that I have going sure. and then like whenever anything you know money related comes in I push all the shit aside yeah, and I mean, like yeah. Yeah, I have to be flexible that yeah. way you know like because nobody's paying me to write my fucking books right, <laughs> you <right. know>? like <laughs> a few people luckily are buying them but it's not that that's not a money making proposition sure <laughs> and I don't know that it ever will be you know it's just because I like books. Yeah, I like making books. I mean, it's, yeah. And they're they're kind of just an art project, you know. Uh, I certainly, I certainly understand. Um, and yeah, I hope to like finish this on that basis. It's like if I could just complete it. Yeah. That would be amazing to me. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Is this your first like, like creative writing type effort? It's for the a first while, thing or? I've ever done. It's like longer than two or three pages. Yeah. You know? Oh, okay. That's exciting. And easily the yeah. most like where I I feel like I could sit down and I'm a few steps ahead in my mind mm. than what I've, what I've done on paper already. So uh, there's always, like, stuff that's ready to go. It's just a matter of, like, finding this, the 
time and discipline to get it down. But I, I feel like there's like a thread I'm working towards. I don't mm. really know exactly what it is, but um, like how it's going to fit together. But I have like these pieces and want to put them in play with each other. Yeah. Um, and it's like seems infinitely easier than trying to make a film or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you still hope to do that one day? No, 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 no. I mean, I, it's something I grew up wanting to do. Yeah, yeah, because you got, you'd studied film. And yeah. I, you know, I did theater in high school yeah. and was directing a little bit and, you know, but I, even in college it became clear to me that, like, the social dynamics of a film set and... It's a miracle like, any how, of that shit ever gets done. It like, truly especially is. movies. Like how many people yeah. have to cooperate? Yeah. Never mind the money, but like yeah. how many people have to semi agree? Yeah, like, pull in the same direction. You it's know? it's mind blowing, and and that anything coherent or even like special or artistic can arise from those circumstances is like kind of like the unsung mark of an amazing director. I think. Yeah, it's like. You can have the best script, you can have the best actors, but you, it's like a special alchemy to get this, get all of that moving in one direction, you know? No, I, my one and only real experience on a, on a, participating on a film set was when my friend John McNaughton made these, this teaser reel, like, because he wanted to sell, he optioned my, the cab books. He oh, wanted, wow, he wanted cool. to make a TV show. Wow, awesome. So he shot this thing. You, know, you got these kids to do the stuff, like do the cinematography and everything. But like, we put down like tracks and stuff in my studio. Wow. So he filmed me, like, draw doing a drawing and telling like cab stories, and that was just one day shoot. But like watching all that and just with like it was only like four or five people. Yeah. Like, like how long it took and how much like I could just see these like like asshole young people like muttering under their breath, you know, and like. <laughs> This is like a guy that's you know directed multi-million dollar movies, right. and they were not. Like yeah, some of the, I mean, there was yeah. some like weird, like obvious, like kind of like sub, subsurface kind of like conflict, like tensions going on wow. there. And one of the problems was one of these kids. He's not a kid, but a young guy. He'd also wanted to do his own thing based uh -huh. based on the book. Oh wow! So there was like this a little. And John had just beaten him to the punch, you know. Yeah. yeah. So there's a thing that was part of it, and he was this—he's kind of resentful that he had to be subservient, like under this other guy. Wow. Yeah. Just watching, and I—I I was just the talent for that, you know. Yeah, just yeah. Watching, I was like, oh Jesus, like I—I I don't know how a anybody ever does this. Yeah, like, and imagine how like as money yeah. and. Scale increases how much that kind of drama, like right, because you work, you work on, you work yeah. in like yeah. I mean, I d I do like, mostly commercials, and I'm like in the art department, so yeah. I'm not yeah. even really on set most yeah. of the time. Oh, okay. I'm striking or oh, or, I see. Okay. Or you know, so yeah, it, it's shot, it's but. just it's incredible that anything gets done, and that was yeah. like you know all day for like you know like about we ended up with four or five minutes yeah you know, like, yeah that's a lot for one day and yeah, like, that, they they shot a lot yeah there was a lot you know like yeah it was like four or five like one minute segments you yeah. know yeah because <laughs> i had to do like i did like four or five drawings like and they shot they had cameras pointed at the at the drawing table and yeah. stuff and wow. like, yeah so it was like a time lapse i'd like to see that is like that a, does, does yeah yeah exist? yeah yeah yeah, it's on. I, I put it up. It's on Vimeo. Okay, yeah. cool. 
yeah, it's it's kind of silly, and I'm not an actor. You know, like <laughs> it's very obvious. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. It's just mm-hmm. the awkwardness of having to, like, pretend like the camera's not there. Yeah, and all, sure. that, all that shit that the magic that the actors can do. You yeah. know. I just uh, had COVID, and I binged all the Ryazuki Hamaguchi movies. Oh, you did? Chain. Have you wa- have you watched a uh, Happy Hour or? Uh, I love that Happy Hour. So the good. Happy that's the best one, I think. Even, even though it's really long, but yeah, yeah. I loved it. Um, and I don't know. That's one of the first directors I've seen in a while. He's different. He's like, so literate. I mean, it's so much like literature. You know, yeah. Like, well, and then that that. Yeah, that drive my car movie. Yeah. You know, like it's half Chekhov. Like, right, right. Like how much, how much money did he have to give to the Chekhov estate by using like Uncle Vanya for like half his friggin' movie? Yeah, I don't it's know. Like fully woven into yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> Unless um, I don't know if Chekhov is public domain by now. I don't. I'm not sure what the rights to that. Yeah, it's like because it's, it's it really is, inter- interpolated. Like, yeah, it's like half yeah. the movie is Chekhov. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Um, those movies are so different than what I usually go for, which mm. is like, you know, I like like Brisson or something where there's minimal sure, yeah. dialogue and it's like it's so heavy on dialogue. Yeah, I like stuff where it's really you the know, Wheel of Fortune's fun too. The, yeah, it's a it's different, so totally different. Yeah, little, little little short stories, you know. Yeah, little chunks. I love that yeah. one, especially the last story. Mm. Um, about the two friends who are reunited. I don't want to spoil right, it for right. anybody, but oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I find his stuff was to be totally amazing. Um, yeah, the other the the one the other one Criterion had the earlier one wasn't quite as good. The Asako yeah. one yeah. and two not yeah. not not on the same level. Interesting, right. but not. I don't think it was as good as. I agree. I, I like think those, he's sort of coming to his own. Yeah, especially well, especially I think Happy Hour is re- the real masterpiece. I agree. I wonder yeah. what that would be like to not watch at home when you know, <laughs> like to see it in the theater. And Happy like, Hour. I wonder if did they you have, see it in the theater? No, uh, yeah. no, no, no. I went backwards. The first, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know about him until Drive My Car. I worked yeah. backwards from Me Drive too. My Car. Yeah. Me too. Um, yeah, I wonder what that's like. Which it took a while, like Drive My Car. Like I didn't know. Like I, I kind of fought it. Like, I started watching. I saw that in the theater. I was like, uh-huh. oh, I I'm not sure where. And it just works on like it, yeah. He's got this really weird slow pace, and it just goes on and on, and he adds more and more. Like he just builds and builds. You yeah, know? It, like, it's like <laughs> it, it hits a climax in a totally unexpected way. That's. Mm-hmm very powerful and yeah. satisfying that you would never really see coming it's like yeah it's so yeah um happy and, hour too is just like and yeah and the the drive my, yeah he just resists like the, the the obvious thing that like if, if that movie was made like in hollywood or in america yeah. Like you know, you you know that guy would have fucked that girl, the driver girl, of course, like of course, like, like within like a week, you know, like, yeah. and he just never done like I was I was so uh, grateful for that. Like, yeah, like please don't do that. Like, <laughs> I read with Happy Hour that he, you know, that all of that kind of actually came out of uh, a seminar that he taught, mm. which I would imagine is sort of like the loose basis for that strange like new age seminar in the movie Mm, yeah um i'm sure it's like 
That guy was such a, what a dick. Yeah. That guy. That, oh my I know I know I know people like that. Yeah. Like it, yeah it was so yeah. familiar. <laughs> like that kind of like know. like kind of like uh what's the word? Um like this guy just pretends like that he doesn't care, kind right. of aloof, like genius guy. Yeah, and yeah. he just just de- just decides to just just cancel, like fuck up everybody's plans just because. Right, just so, some something like the wind change, you know, you yeah, know, like, yeah, or something else has got his attention. Yeah, though. some some signs from the universe. Yeah, that, that like whole this. kind of like dark guru character. Yeah, it's really well played because he's so awkward at first and yeah. unassuming, and then you see that it's like almost this like intentional kind of uh seduction or something yeah and like he's basically another version of just like some like asshole jock that you would meet yeah, except yeah. like in a different realm you know right um, <laughs> but apparently he got he you know it was a seminar for non-actors and he found the leads there yeah which is mind-blowing that he found people that good mm. um and he started creating the movie with them and they would he would bring a script to the table and they would just like do table reads until yeah. it was second second nature and then just like imprinting all the dialogue and then shoot it but he also gave them some leeway with their own which happens a lot in drive my car too when yeah. they keep having those table reads yeah, that yeah. keeps changing i think that's like kind of like like a, document of his yeah, process almost. yeah including like you know like the the deaf woman like yeah. you know like who was mute you know like yeah apparently <laughs> one thing i read about that was that she her whole sign language yeah. aspect to her character only happened because they were shut down for covid oh, for a wow. period of time and that development was her idea she was like what if i learn yeah know, korean oh, sign language and that adds this incredible dimension to it but I think he gives the actors a lot of control over like mm-hmm. the the destiny of their characters. He's like, yeah, know, they're kind of they like he's ideas. got a unique thing he does. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's hard to put a finger on exactly what he's doing. But right. He mixes a lot of stuff that's familiar, but it's in a different way. Yeah, and just like the transparency of the style is really refreshing too. It's yeah. just like so clean, you know. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, it's not the mo- kind of movie I usually go for because it is so dialogue heavy. Um, yeah, but it's it's just so well done. But yeah, yeah, I'm 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 with you. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely like like the default for me was something more like Brayson or yeah. like you know or Tarkovsky or like those kinds of people. Yeah, or where it's like, like images. Yeah, off of one another, I don't you know? Know. like Belatar, like like those yeah. kinds of people, like right, where it's just like long, slow takes, you yeah, know, and yeah. then like things just like where you you have time. They're like almost like environments where like you just sit and look, you know. Yeah. And yeah, people spend minutes not saying anything. Oh, like yeah, Paris, Texas. Yep. One of the best movies ever. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> Yeah, that movie is one of the best movies about America, obviously made by a foreigner, which is often the case. That you need a foreigner like to have the, that kind of. I know it's kind of you know? it's kind of perfect. Yeah, um, that's such a weird, like, hat trick of a movie for me because I, yeah. I love Bender's. Sam Shepard is one of my favorite writers mm. of all time, and then Ry Cooter is amazing. You know, so it's just like yeah, all angles they're covered. Harry by, Dean like, Stanton. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, the acting yeah. is incredible. Yeah. 
that 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 whole scene with the like in the in the peep with the, like with yeah, Natasha Kinski is uh, oh it's like, yeah it's <laughs> like, so it's just like oh, oh boy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I. I haven't seen that much Sam Shepard. Actually, Skyler and I saw True West, mm, which oh, I think nice. we talked about. But there's so many of his plays that I'd like to see live. But um, I feel like I I've missed a lot. Um, yeah. When they're they've been revived. Mm. But I feel like Paris, Texas, is definitely the best filmic adaptation you know there's a movie of fool for love with robert altman where sam shepherd plays the main yeah character. yeah right it's kind of strange yeah. and then it's totally it's a, worth watching but it's like not like uh, you know yeah a home run of a movie but yeah um but yeah i, I wish there were more productions of his stuff <laughs> It seems like people kind of do the same ones over and over again, but yeah, yeah. It's I'd weird. like to see some of the earlier, more kind of rock and roll influenced ones. Yeah, I don't know if uh, yeah, like his kind of stuff is maybe made for this this cultural moment. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I mean, yeah, it's very <laughs> very of its time. Yeah, like yeah, there's kind of like gender and sexual stuff in those. You know the they're of another time yeah. that that we have to get sort out the issues you know right. that things are getting sorted out these days where we can approach that stuff in, in a new light you know yeah definitely so what's what are the main uh music things now mute duo you guys finished a new record uh yeah it's done we're just like yeah. in the artwork and titles yeah. phase um and then uh that's really the only recording i've done i i yeah. recorded with matt schneider and lux too oh you were on that so yeah. i don't know if that's done or not i'm not mm. sure what the status of that was but that was an international anthem oh, okay. production um so hopefully that won't take too long to come out um but yeah, mo mostly I'm focusing on. And you, you get along with that guy. I do, yeah. I wow, do. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, you know. that's that's a that's a neat, neat magic trick. <laughs> I don't yeah, know that many people that do. <laughs> <you know. laughs> that's good. Yeah, that is good. Sometimes people, yeah, personalities just don't jive, you know. But he's yeah, uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of strong personalities in the music world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been, I have a ton of songs that I need to figure out, father costume songs, um, that I've been writing kind of over the last few years. So is the father and, costume where like the, like the quote unquote solo stuff goes or is, is that, yeah, it's is like, father costume, your Cairo gang or, or like, or I don't know what the equivalent would in be. In a way. Like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, really jo you're Joan of Arc. It's right? really <laughs> Gillian and I right now. Okay. Um, like she has a huge hand in like the tones and production of it mm. um and the arranging you know i i kind of yeah. come to the table with usually like a finished song that's yeah. 
lyrics, melody, and like a basic guitar yeah. part or something. But that might not even be recorded. She, she played with Azita for a bit, didn't she? Was, she wasn't yeah, there they've done a, a few I was, shows I was together. Remember, yeah, I, they I did a seen, couple of shows yeah. as a duo. Yeah. Um, and she usually plays, you know, she'll play with us and sing back in vocals or yeah. percussion or something. Um, but yeah, it's really the two of us. And we've been doing more of like <clears throat> the two of us with a drum machine. Yeah. Um, it's just for like the places we play, it's kind of nicer to do a quiet thing that's not acoustic guitars, you know? Yeah. It's like kind of takes it out of that uh, genre, you the know? The singer-songwriter like, yeah, kind of like... <laughs> yeah, which I love that stuff, but I, I just didn't want to do that with these songs, you know? So I really yeah, want Yeah, it's not a folk band. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's a, a, and it's really yeah. like supposed to be a, a pop band. Yeah. yeah. It's just like a very mellow one, Yeah, you know? But it's like, you know, it's really traditional pop structures yeah but trying to use those struct the familiarity of those structures as like a foundation for more abstract lyric ideas you know so that you're hoping to like, put up a, like a new some kind of new recording or a new yeah recording yeah of that of yeah and i think it, you, know, I, you know it'll be probably the two of us and then we'll probably bring people in but yeah um yeah it's been fun to do these duo shows and um I don't know, just having it be like, it, there's something nice about how miniaturized it is too, you know, yeah. like, it's like the difference, you know, is listening to this uh, interview with Martin Rev, talking mm. about like early suicide, mm. and when they were playing with a drummer, and he's like, it just wasn't right until <laughs> I brought out the beatbox, Oh yeah. like, it just like framed it in this different way, you know, and like, kind of experimenting with that, it just like, because that that music is supposed to have a lot of artifice to it you know it's a mm. big part of it you know yeah um it's like it's very stylized in a way yeah you know? and i kind of want to move more in that direction you know yeah. it's always had a little bit of that but um you could probably do it with a drum machine that, yeah that music that's kind of a drum what machine we, yeah. that's what we've been yeah. doing or and like some kind of pre even with set, like yeah. a little bit of synth on there you know? yeah and it's really fun it's like um it's kind of liberating and it's like it's it's a lot easier for me to sing over i love mellow but we both have really mellow voices so yeah. it's like you're not like singing over a kit or anything um right so it's been a good like kind of reset for that and yeah it's like it's always something i've wanted to do more on the side you know i've never wanted to like really push it too hard it just yeah. takes the fun out of it you know um, but I do want yeah. to do more of it and want it to be a more consistent thing than it has been in the last few years. I just watched, uh, last night I went to Music Box and there's a new uh, Dinosaur Jr. documentary. Uh-huh, yeah, how was that? It was interesting. It's called uh, Freak Scene. Yeah. It's just, it's just, I mean, it's amazing, like, like how much tension, like how how much of those guys just like tormented one another, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It's just they just fucked with each other like all the time, and like especially like you could see like the the drummer was totally traumatized like by like how like and they were like very intentionally like this is this band is not for fun. This is not for having a good time. <laughs> right, like they're right. at war. They're at war with the world, and they're at war with each other. You know? Yeah. And it's funny that, like, and then, you know, like, eventually, you know, they get back together, and then they get along, but, like, something's lost. Yeah. Like, I don't, to me, you know, like, 
and yeah, they were they're nicer people, and they grew up and stuff. But like, I, I went, I left, I left the theater, and I was like, looked it up, like, really with them, like the only album I ever get go back to consistently is the first one, the dino, the dinosaur record. Yeah, you know, like it's that's the one I know, like front to back is I think is great. The other one I have good songs, but for me it's Bug is the one. Oh that really? With open the door for me. And it was because of that song Freak Scene was yeah. in a music a uh, skate video. Okay. And I right. looked, looked them up and went to the mall and bought the tape. You know, but um that's always the one that's just I mean I, I love all the early ones, but that's the one that just because I, I was and then, exposed to it first. Yeah yeah, Bill was just playing opening for them. Yeah. Like just, it, and there's a did he show did he post that on Instagram like where he plugged into Jay's whole he rig? did I didn't hear and any he, video but I, there was I vid, there was video oh, of, like him like playing through like his his wall of Man. wall of Marshalls you know like it's kind I would of love like, to hear that yeah <laughs> I would love to hear Bill play through half stacks more often well like if you go, <laughs> if you go like uh, if, have you seen Black Duck yeah. Black, the last time, like, they opened for Yola Tango, and, like, yeah, he's, like, shredding. Like, he's letting himself, like, do, like, get some, a little bit of Guitar Hero shit, you Excellent. know, like, which is, it's kind of fun, to, like, because, you know, yeah. he can do it. Like, yeah. If he just, like, you know, with his eyes closed, you uh, know. Yeah, but, like, I'd love to hear more of that. Yeah, it's a fun band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Uh, that, that Dinosaur Jr., I don't know, like, yeah. It's a weird band, weird band from a different time. It's just it's very strange that it still exists. Yeah, like and they keep putting out music. The, maybe the fun. I heard a. I think it was the first reunion record. I had that, and it was really good. I saw them uh, like when they got back together. I don't know, early-ish on, like in oh five oh six. Yeah. They played at the Abbey Pub, and yeah, I'd never seen. That that many amplifiers be, behind a guitar player. <laughs> I, I've still never it. seen them live. Somehow, um, yeah, I, I always miss them. But um, no, it's 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 worth seeing. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm I'm not, I don't need any of the new records. Like I don't, I don't care. But sure. like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's a strange. Like those early records have a really specific production that it's hard to place like the drums sound really specific and weird and it was probably because of well he started all these as, limitations also you know? he started as a drummer like right. they talk a lot about that where like he was really controlling what that guy he told him like what to play like what fills to play and stuff like everything he was yeah, yeah he's basically and he, he even says at some point like well i was really bored with the guitar i was really wanted the guitar to sound like a like a drum kit you know <laughs> like that's why he has all those effects but you know he's like he's got like so many effects yeah, yeah. he never plays straight into into the amp ever you know yeah. like he was just bored with like guitar like <laughs> and he started his other his his hardcore band deep wound oh right where he was, right. Where he was the drummer <laughs> you know? yeah he's a good drummer <laughs> it's kind of funny yeah that band really set off a lot of different movements i mean it did it was really like an important band and like important days band. And, and they they have yeah. like all these re like they had some kind of 30th anniversary and they have kevin shields like paying tribute to yeah dinosaur like that's why Junior. i play a jazz master and yeah like, like playing like yeah like that but like how way. yeah i forget that they're how big they were for like a couple of minutes right. there uh and they have yeah all the 
Sonic Youth people that they yeah. were friends with. But the funniest thing, maybe the funniest clip is is Frank Black <laughs> trying to describe like what the what Dinosaur Junior was, and he gets really animated. And it's like what one of the maybe the only times I've ever seen an interviewer talk with that guy where he doesn't just come off like a jerk. Yeah. You know, like he was very obviously a real fan and like really happy. Yeah. To talk about this band, you know, like that was in the same scene as him, you know, but, right. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was all right before all that Nirvana time, you know, like, yeah. when it all blew up and they were try really trying, all these labels kept trying to make Dinosaur happen the way, right, and it just never just did. Way too. Be well, because he's like, spirit, I think. <laughs> also like too contrarian, you know, yeah. like, Kind of like, not quite like Pavement, but like he's got that thing, you know, like both those guys, him and Barlow, you know, like where they, they're they going to, if they get pushed, you know, they're going to push back and like be real jerks, like, and like kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they have to, you know, they have to do it that way, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> to keep some sort of integrity, you know? But yeah, at a certain point he says, like, Jay says it, like... I finally heard like the record label said that the most cliche thing like I don't hear a sing we don't hear a single right you know and yeah. they did that thing. There's some crazy footage of like they're really trying to push him. There's a scene of him somewhere like up in the mountains like on like like snow like drifts like on skis playing a huge guitar solo <laughs> like it's so obnoxious you know like it's so like <laughs> like like on on like on a cliff, you know, yeah, like like hilarious. like wailing on his guitar, you know? <laughs> like slash on skis kind of vibe. Yeah, That's hilarious. Well, and then you know, like he fired the whole band. It was all just people yeah. like like the last like record or yeah. two. Dinosaur, quote unquote, dinosaur was just him with brought in people, you know, to play. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like it, it's crazy that those people will keep going. I don't know. I don't know how you sustain it, even, and and keep any on any level. But uh, this is a talk. Yeah, me and uh, McKay had on the on the ride to and from Traverse City. This is the shit we talk about all the yeah. time. But even like yeah, like we're talking about Robert Plant. You know, like and how great it is that he just will. He won't reform any part of Led Zeppelin. He won't right. do it. You know and I, I so respect him for that, you know, like... Yeah, I don't... I mean, especially that music, it would be really strange to Yeah, play, it, but and how, like, <laughs> but like, something happened, like, Jimmy Page, something broke with Jimmy Page where he can't keep going, and he keeps trying to, like, return. Yeah. Get these airsides, like, these cheesy bands, like The Firm, you know, like, right, where right. he had that, where he's trying to make a new Led Zeppelin, you yeah. know? But Robert Plant, like, you don't have to like his... Like, I don't like that bluegrass thing he does sure but like the fact that he's trying like he's engaged and you hear interviews with him and you could tell he's just like a music fan yeah he's always like Jeez. looking for music and he's curious and there's like like an alive part and engaged that's what you hope for you yeah know? he's fucking robert plant he could just keep doing led zeppelin easily like <laughs> easily hire a bunch Insane of ringers ring like people that are easier to deal with than Jimmy right. Page, you know, or whatever, right. just sing Led Zeppelin songs, but he doesn't do it, you know. That's what you want, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's the goal to keep engaged. Yeah, definitely. It would be. It would be strange to be like 
captured in the amber of like a, a moment from decades earlier, you know, and just trying to like keep that alive, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Some some of the people I've talked to for this thing, and like I did one with uh, Mick Collins from the Gories. Well, and the Gories is a perfect example of that. There will never be a new Gories record, but when they get invited and they get paid good money and they'll go play that music and right. that music was always it was like a conceptual project from the beginning yeah they started like this weird like garage rock band but in the 80s you know right and he's always but like he, he's very clear about like what he does you know and for what reasons yeah you know, yeah like, i mean i think like <laughs> i don't have anything against like reunion tours and stuff but it would be strange to be like that's all you're doing you know like yeah, then you're just playing Ribfest or whatever, right. or like whoever has you, you know, like will have you, and you get, yeah, whatever, the psychedelic furs, you know, or like... Hey, I'm a fan. I'm a fan yeah, of but like, <laughs> but if you want to see the psychedelic furs, you got to go to Ribfest. Actually, their new record is, is... They have a new record? Quite excellent. Really? Yeah, it's like one of the best records they've done. Great. Like, and I it's did. not like, it's not... Weird a really a retro record oh weird it's, i didn't know they were doing yeah. i didn't even i would recommend it if you like their stuff at all huh. um it's yeah it came out last year it's called made of rain hmm. it's really no, really good no clue yeah this is the thing now i mean like there's so so much going on and so yeah yeah and it's so uh scattered yeah uh, over platforms and sites and like how do you the challenge of now is just how how to get anything noticed. I know it's funny like, at all. Like it's a new it's a new weird problem. Yeah. Like it's never been easier. Like yeah, you can sit here in your basement and put out like a record that would have taken like you know like months in a studio probably. Yeah. But like, will anybody hear it? Right. Who knows? You know, like yeah. yeah that's that's the. the or it's so thing. nonlinear. I mean, and you can you know like with the like ambient music that i release you know mm. it's like yeah somebody will buy it in france or in australia but it's like you know it's just like totally random how you know how do they come across it i have no idea you and know, yeah like, will they connected like do those people like like if somebody buys one of your ambient records and the ambient records are just under your name yeah yeah they are do they connect it to like any of the other music you make i don't know don't, you know, you, you, you can't, it's hard to track. It's hard to tell, yeah. yeah. I mean, especially, like, you know, people out of the country or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's like some, you know, they might just find it by digging around on Bandcamp or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. It's it's hard to say how they come across it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, in, in, a, in a certain way, it's, it's kind of freeing. And like, yeah. you, you don't have to be tied, I don't know, to, but... It's it's a very unstable way to to pay bills. Oh that's, sure, that's yeah. the, the problem. No, like I, yeah, like I'd be totally fine being anonymous, like the way that like like the icon painters used to be, where sure. who are hired to like paint the wall of a church. Yeah, speaking of maybe my favorite movie, <laughs> Andre Rublev. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah. like that, like where you just you're hired by somebody to do a job and like it has nothing to do with with uh any kind of like i don't know personal fame you know like that right. guy always resisted you know that he didn't want that that's not what it was about you know so yeah but yeah on the, on the 
by the same token, like, yeah, like, there's this, like, complete, like, hyper, hyper over-interest in personalities and celebrity in a different, you know? Definitely. And even in... Little to do with the work at all. Like, it's just cults of personality. Yeah. It's, it's true. That is, like, has taken hold in a big way. And it's strange, you know, especially with, like, social media as an amplifier for all that, you know? Yeah. Um, it's strange to think about, like, yeah, when we were growing up, like, you didn't know anything about the band. <laughs> you didn't know anything about their personality, with there's a few exceptions. There's some know. parts of it that I, I sort of, like, wish, and there's no putting the genie back in oh, the bottle, yeah. but, like, I feel like I know more about Nick Cave than I want to know. <laughs> and he's had a lot of tragedy happen in his life, and that's sure. one of the reasons why we all know so much about him, you know, like, but sure. I kind of, I kind of wish I knew less. <laughs> like, I wish he was still, like, the the guy that would give, like, petulant interviews and not cooperate, you know, like, <laughs> there's some part of me. Sure. You know, you know like, that prefers that. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't want to be his friend, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't think that, I'm not trying to be his friend, but everybody has this illusion that they, like, they know they're these people you know like sure yeah it's you're, yeah it's a very strange relationship you know the access like, you think you have you know right right <laughs> and a lot of that and imagining a lot of imagining these people when there's not information is part of like the joy of fandom you know and like all the you know i guess it's like a projection in some way but it's like yeah you know that used to be you know, you have to imagine what they're like. You have to imagine what, <laughs> you know, and it's, it engages a different part of your... Yeah, Emmett and I talked a bit about this, like the problem of like engaging with people off, like when you come off of state, off stage yeah. with like whatever fans or whoever like that wants to talk to you that you don't have, it's such an unequal, like you don't know how to do that. And if you have any kind of, if you're shy in any way or like not an extrovert, you know, yeah. like it's a it's a really hard thing to do, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. Uh, it's very strange to transition from that state, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and just like go get a drink at the bar. You're like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. But now it, it, there's an expectation of it in. If if you don't do that, then you're thought of like as, right, as right. like either a jerk or ungrateful or like like why are you you know I don't know because because like you know I follow you on Twitter that means we're like friends or whatever sure yeah or Insta like and I've liked every one of your Instagram photos that means like you owe me something yeah <laughs> and yeah there's I mean, so much I've like personally checked out of all that like I can't I can't participate in that you know like. I can't do it. I know. I mean, I you know, <laughs> I would I would love to to part ways with it as well. I, I and it's like an ongoing debate. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really enjoy it. I don't, you know, it. But it's it's so dug in already. Even like in its infancy, it's just the primary way of letting people know what you're doing. You know, and it's it's hard to say what it would be like without it like have you found i guess it's different you know because you're doing less events you know yeah. it's more it's different because i'm i'm not dependent on like 
getting people to come to right. a place like at like concerts yeah stages like you know every now and then i have like whatever readings or art shows but yeah. they're not they're not pegged to a time and place the, exactly the same way right. but i think i think it creates its own like illusion of necessity i i yeah uh, I, I think there's ways no, around no. to like yeah, Emmett and I again talked about like because he's very very reticent about any technical. Yeah, yeah, he's super against. I didn't even realize how against, like any kind of like non, old school like. Yeah, yeah. Like with the cassette label and all that stuff, like how he won't like streaming is like like the antichrist to him. You know, right. like. <laughs> yeah. I think I think there are other there are ways around it. Like if you're methodical and you just keep at it, you know. Yeah. Like when you you kind of moved everything to your newsletter yeah. and like your mailing group. Yeah. Do you find that that has like a momentum of its own? Like are oh, you yeah. able to like? It's brought a lot, yeah, a, lot a lot of business and but like yeah, it's 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 mostly like word of mouth kind of stuff. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I, I've sold a bunch of artwork off that newsletter. I've, That's good. It's led to opportunities, yeah. But it's very, like, it's it's, it's the opposite of, like, the instant gratification. Yeah. Like that, the, you know, the dopamine rush that people always talk about with the likes or the yeah. retweets or whatever. Like, it's not that, uh, which is fine, like, because I'm I'm not really geared towards that personality wise and yeah i don't it's a bad it was always a bad fit you know yeah i don't really enjoy that aspect of it i wish it were more anonymous or i i wish it were and you know i hope i I think Bandcamp has been a good platform for people yeah like me i wish they had an arm that was more conducive to promoting shows yeah and connecting with Music fans. I wish I wish Bandcamp had a thing like Spotify that like where you could yeah. make easily make a subscription for a playlist or I like, think they're working on it. I mean, they well just they got, got bought, bought by they got bought the games. Game, so yeah. Who knows what'll happen? With Hopefully it now. they won't ruin it. But um, yeah, <laughs> apparently they're gonna try to keep it intact. But we know how that goes. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I had always hoped that they would have some kind of like not necessarily social media, but like yeah just a better way to generate random connections between musicians you know? yeah um even if it's algorithmic you know right just to get it out of the cesspool of instagram and facebook and well look I, you know there's got to be like the same way that like the criterion channel is an antidote to like netflix right. you know or amazon there's got to there has to be like a mu. There should be a music one. Yeah. That, that's equivalent, you know, because there's such a difference. Like, where it's so obvious that on Criterion Channel there were people that chose to group these movies together. Right. It's it was not an algorithm, you know. Right. Like it's a person. It's actual curation. Yeah. Not, not curation like a fucking Pinterest board or whatever right. they call curation now, which is oh look, I have three red things. I'm a curator now. You know, like right. it's actual people that studied and put thought in you know and had an idea it it makes a fucking huge difference it does it's an awesome way to and i hate discover films you know in this the yeah the series that that they put together i methodically opt out of all these the companies that that are trying to like just like 
data mine you to do, like yeah and yeah. i understand like so i don't hardly ever use google i don't use amazon i don't use, like all of like and it makes makes things harder like it sure. takes longer it takes like you know and like the search engines i use aren't nearly as quick you know right. and they don't come up they don't instantly like embed like the whatever the the buy button or or yeah. the the map or whatever because because each of those things is has a tracker on it you know like yeah so there, there's other ways to live you know like i i my thing is like i'm not a luddite it's just i want the technology to work for me not the other way you know like i want it to be tools you <laughs> yeah, know yeah i mean it's it's just like it's so obviously insidious the yeah. way it is set up right now it's just like exploiting you know loopholes in human psychology yeah <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> I, I i just think like you know the the technology has progressed so quickly but like like the human animal has not right like we're the, still the same and i just think you just can't fucking handle it it's sensory overload all the time so i yeah i mean try to limit it just you know, happened like, overnight that yeah. you know we're like unwitting participants in this you know huge experiment basically yeah. you know like just within the space of a few years it's like mm -hmm. completely all-encompassing and yeah like you said it's like people have flaws that have been targeted you know yeah <laughs> it's it's really really strange yeah it, it, it's odd odd times but yeah i yeah i just don't think people have changed <laughs> no, nearly no. as much or as, or can no definitely maybe not. they do incrementally over time but like yeah. not not like month to month or year to year the way this technology progresses you know yeah, and it's yeah it's definitely going in a very strange direction and yeah each new thing like like tiktok which i've never used but tiktok has is the quickest because it you can only it's only up to a minute or whatever uh -huh. it's the most apparently data points are like the quickest way of data gathering wow the the best because it tracks every time you do anything like wow. engage with that video in any way you know yeah so it's just like everything is a hyper hyper warp speed yeah yeah um and they will yeah market the shit out of everything like Anytime, you know, they're tracking, like, your eye movements, basically, you know, or, or whatever, your thoughts. It's funny talking, like, you know, talking to my parents, you know, my parents are turning 70, both turning 75 this year, uh -huh. and they're, like, you know, complaining about, like, why do we keep getting these ads, you know, like, yeah. because we did this one search, it's like, yeah. and... It's not free. I guess, yeah, <laughs> whoever, yeah, they invented the internet, they had no idea that... How, that it would blow up this way and yeah one of the mistakes is like assuming that you should get anything for free right because nobody gets anything for free and you will pay one way or the other if not with money then with your information you know yeah. your habits i try to pay for everything i can you know like yeah. like i pay for my my email client you know like i pay for all kinds of shit at least nominally so at least there's on record like i've given you this X right. amount of money, you know, like, and uh, you see, yeah, these like the 
some of these new browsers you know they they advertise like we're we're, we're not gathering anything and they they're very proudly to tell you how many trackers they've caught you know but right. like is that i don't know if that's real you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> very non-transparent all of that you know <laughs> cool all right so, so what, what do you got going on the rest of the day any any excitement i'm uh, i'm rehearsing with azita actually oh are you yeah because you guys yeah. got get, do you have other gig does she have other gigs or no just, just the just one just the one yeah so um we're just getting ready for that yeah i saw i saw her at, at your at the record release oh, cool. for, for a minute please and uh Hope hoping to make make her do this. She said she would. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be an interesting. Yeah, it's another person not lacking in opinions and theories yeah, and ideas. <laughs> yeah, it should be a it should be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that show. It's it's uh, Dan Browning on bass filling in for Nick McCree. So he's been learning the songs. It's sounding really Who's good. Who's that? Really. Who's Dan Brown? He plays with Cave. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, we've had one rehearsal with the four of us, and then the three of them got together last week when I was working. Mm. But it's already feeling really good. They're playing like most mostly the stuff off the last it's, record. Yeah, it's, it's all, all, off, all yeah all, all off the record. Yeah. I'm playing keyboards on one song, which is always interesting. I always have to kind of warm up for that. But yeah. <laughs> been practicing that today. Yeah. Over here. But, um, but it's fun. It's At least she's not lugging around that crazy 60s, that, <laughs> that crazy organ. What was that called? The I, CP70? I, yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I carried that a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> that, that thing is... Yeah, a, we all have. We've all... It's a bear. <laughs> Yeah, because that was around the time, the life on the fly times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she used to tour with it. Yeah. And then over time, it was like, okay, how many of the hammers and pieces have fallen out of this thing in transit? And like, <laughs> how much time during soundcheck do we have to rebuild it before the show? <laughs> right, yeah. So it became uh, kind of untenable at a, a certain point. But that's kind of what started moving her towards guitar because she's always hated using a digital keyboard mm. for a piano yeah um, and uh we played that show at the pritzker where she played a steinway and that was like the last real piano show that we did as a band was that when she did uh breaking us in two yeah yeah oh i love that yeah yeah <laughs> i wish there was, was a, a recording fun show because uh, i don't think she ever recorded it i don't know that's that was a good cover yeah well, yeah i don't think we recorded that um but yeah that kind of spoiled her for for pianos and keyboards so she she wanted to do stuff that was more repeatable live mm. hence the guitar stuff well that's cool we'll look forward to that yeah guess we can cut this off cool Th man thanks for talking yeah of course this thanks for coming out to fun. the yeah. west side yeah. We're going to have a live, party here at live, some point. Live from Jammers. Yeah, live from Jammers. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. Now that I've been to Jammers. Yeah, we want to do show. a proper party. Maybe even a small show. Um, yeah. I think uh, Becker's going to do the first show. Oh, really? Like a solo set of some kind. But um, There was a... I don't know. Did, did you ever do any of those like 
there was that company that was booking like uh, living room shows. I never uh, played one, but oh yeah, uh, uh, Undertow. Yes. Yeah, a friend of mine. Broke I did those. Yeah. Uh, I I saw um, what's it what's it called? Uh, Rutili. Uh, Caliphone. Caliphone. Yeah. I saw a Caliphone show in, in Oaklawn in somebody's living room. Nice. That was interesting. Uh, Do you know Will Johnson at all? He's a Texan. He's he, I think he released some records on Undertow with that guy Bob who does Undertow, does oh, those shows. Yeah. But he was uh, uh, someone I played with growing up. He was uh, in my band, Wiring Prank. And oh, oh I, saw, I also saw Texan. I saw that, you know that band Wussy? No. You don't know? They're from Ohio. They're a really good band. Mm. Uh, like, guy, girl, switch up, singing, kind of really good pop music. I don't know, like, they're kind of their, their own thing. He had a, he, he's a, I don't know if they're from Cincinnati, somewhere in Ohio. Okay. He had a band called the Ass Ponies before okay. that. Okay, yeah, I remember uh, that name. <laughs> then, then he went on to a band called Wussy. It's really good, catchy music, but yeah, they played a, a thing in Hyde Park in somebody's living room. Nice. It's fun, yeah. It's a, it's a House good, shows could be yeah. some of the best shows, for sure. Mm. Yeah, and that also, like, sort of in a different way, we were talking about, like, the uh, blurring or, like, erasing the line between audience yeah. and, and performer. Yeah. You get up, way up close and personal. Definitely. You know, like... <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll come... Yeah. Yeah, put, we're going to... Put me on the list. Uh. Yeah, we'll put you on the list. <laughs> it's good to know people... The cover are, is pretty steep. Yeah. Uh, I think we could probably get it. <laughs> Crypto, crypto only, <laughs> yeah. right? You're only going to charge. Yeah, only Ethereum, you know. NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meld the future and the past. Right. In your in your own basement. <laughs> yeah, I need to get some like vinyl banners in here for the party. This is like it's supposed this, to be. This makes me think of was the um, Green Mill. Oh yeah, did they have a similar? They have columns. I think they have columns. I, th I, I swear they have something with tile. Green Mill, some, somebody. Huh. Uh, why is it? I gotta look that up. Yeah, this and the bar were here when we moved in. This was like a kid's room with just like toys everywhere when we came to see the house. But Oh, so they didn't, the kids weren't drinking. They didn't have the. The bar was in It active. wasn't jammers okay. yet. Right, right. They're, yeah, we had to revitalize it. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. yeah, thanks, man. Yeah.